Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great story of showing up a regional manager. But first, a story from Red Green 82 Monkey Song Titles. Hopefully this is allowed as this didn't happen to me, but these stories were told to me by those who did them. The Monkees in 1967 released the album Headquarters, where they played the instruments, and three of them even wrote songs for it. It was a number one album for a week, but then fell to number two where it stayed for the whole summer, only behind Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Anyway, the record company wanted to release Randy Scow's Git as a single in the UK. Songwriter Mickey Dolenz was very pleased until they told him he had to change the title because it's rude over there. He argued that he heard the phrase on a primetime show on BBC, but they told him he had to still come up with an alternative title. Alternative title reached number two on the UK charts. Michael Nesmith was the more prolific songwriter of the group, known for writing good songs, but not necessarily songs with strong hooks or even songs with the title in them. I'll let Mike tell the story about how he came up with one of his song titles. That was a direct insult to a music publisher who told me that in order to have successful tunes, I had to write music that was good, clean fun, and that had a recurring theme or hook line. Of course, I just rejected that out of hand. So what that was was just, okay, I'll write a song called Good Clean Fun. I just won't put it anywhere in there. Good Clean Fun peaked at number 82 and was one of the last monkey songs to chart. I'm willing to bet that a reason some of these songs that were made almost in spite or at least partially made out of spite did so well because these guys had a chip on their shoulders and a reason to passionately try to make this thing as good as possible to show up whoever. Would you guys agree with me that that chip on the shoulder aspect played a big part in why these songs turned out so well? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next song's from Lownet5870, Don't Be a Jerk If You Can't Spell. I remembered one of my corporate print shop malicious compliances yesterday. Relevant information, doctor in question is from another country, a misogynist, and English is probably his fourth language. We had a policy for printing HIPAA documents. Essentially, they were not proofed by the employees and you had to present ID to pick them up. A copy of the actual ID is the first page and you have to verify against the real ID, as well as get signatures. An organization sends over a HIPAA doc. The doctor comes in to pick it up. He refuses to show his ID because his ID is right there on the document. He calls myself and another female employee stupid witches for enforcing the policy that is based on federal law. He tells us how important he is and how we're just high school dropouts who can't get a better job. I had my bachelor's and the other employee was a PhD student paying her bills. Nonsense ensues, his boss gets involved, he loses the argument. About a week later, he comes back with a handwritten document he wants us to type up as a sign for his office. He explains that his nurses and techs are stupid women who don't understand how to work. I kid you not on his level of calling women stupid. So he's got this list of things he wants his employees to do. 1. For each shift, you can only take one break, 
Two, when you have a shift, you must change your clothes. Three, each shift, you must do X, Y, and Z, and so on. Except, you didn't know the word shift had an F in it. We printed it exactly as written for free and kept a copy taped inside the cupboard for whenever we were having a bad day. Frankly, if that doctor wants any handwritten documents from them hanging around their practice, what they ended up getting, you know, this document where shift was said multiple times but without an F, is pretty fitting considering the language that that doctor seems to use on a regular basis behind closed doors. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Michelle. Throw it in the bin right now. It was some time when in the early 90s, Saturday evening, I was about 7. Noel's house party had finished and my dad was watching some rubbish on one of the four TV channels that existed at that time in the UK. My brother and I were making and throwing a paper airplane around, much to our dad's annoyance. When he watches the TV, he likes the volume up and no distractions. We were being loud and annoying and generally having fun throwing the paper plane around. Dad says, stop throwing that freaking thing around and put it in the bin right now. He was really mad. Now I'm mad at having our source of fun taken away. I look him dead in the eye, petulantly throw the paper plane in the general direction of the bin while maintaining eye contact. I see his face start to crumple in anger, but we both turn to watch as it sails beautifully through the air, curving slightly at the end to land perfectly in the small waste paper basket. I swear it happened in slow motion. We all just started hysterically laughing, all signs of anger dissipate as we can't believe it actually went in. For the rest of the night, I catch my dad randomly chuckling and saying, I can't believe it actually went in. So this reminded me of a story from when I was younger that I'm not particularly proud about, but I'm also particularly proud about. I was helping a relative with doing some handiwork, and I had one of those little small, basic, tiny wrenches in my hand. And from across the yard, we started getting into a little bit of a spout, kind of getting angry at each other. And in the stress and anger and the heat of the moment, I decided to toss the, the small metal wrench in their direction. Like, I wasn't trying to hurt them, I wasn't trying to hit them in the head or anything. They were wearing one of those, like, loose baggy cotton pair of grey shorts or whatever. And I watched in slow motion as this dainty little Ikea metal wrench went flying in their direction. And like Michael Jackson at the start of the Smooth Criminal video, that wrench just went cha-ching right into their pocket. It was one of the most awkward moments because we were still very heated at each other, but you can't help but laugh at how amazing that circumstance was. Our next story is from Ski Hippie 666 You won't let me on the plane with my bag? Sure. My wife and I have taken a trip to her country of Mexico with my parents and some of her family. We flew to her city in the middle of the country and then to Puerto Vallarta for some time on the beach. All our flights were with Aeromexico. When you fly with them, they put little wristbands on your roller bag and backpack saying they've been approved to be on the plane and in overhead bags. My roller bag was given a tag approving it for the first two legs of our flight to Puerto. However, on the way back, the agent at the gate started saying how my bag was too big and needed to be checked for $200. I showed him the tag from the previous flights, but he kept saying it was too big. Even after I placed it into the stand that measures bags and it fit just fine, he kept telling me over and over it was too big. I had to pay. My wife argued with him for several minutes, but he kept saying over and over I was not getting on the plane with the bag. And he was correct in that I didn't get on with it. 
However, my father and his first class ticket strolled right onto the plane with no issues and I took his smaller bag and smiled as I boarded. Needless to say, I think this was a display of extortion, trying to get a bribe from you, you know, pay them off to let you on. It's definitely very convenient though that OP's father had a first class ticket and they were going to let somebody roll on in with that. Overall, a very unsavory experience doesn't really shine a great light on the tourism industry in Puerto Vallarta, but there's probably going to be corrupt people everywhere you go though, right? This next story is from Shiju333, customer wanted to be pedantic about portion control. At my work, we put a certain number of sliced meat on our subs. The customer tried calling me out for shorting her turkey slices, so I proceeded to count the slices of meat. Turns out, I was actually over the required amount. I took off the extra slices and apologized for giving her too much meat. I shouldn't have guessed the meat slices, but the meat was tearing as I tried to get the slices apart. So I erred on the cautious side and over-guessed the slices of meat. Shame, the customer would have had extra meat on her sub, but she had to be a Karen. Unless it's blatantly obvious that they're shorting you, they're probably not going to be shorting you. This is definitely a story of Karens who are just gonna Karen, but like, if you get the food you were looking for and the size of it or the toppings are within reason of human error, they're probably not intentionally trying to scam you. This next story is from Snort Giggles. You wanna make things fair? I'll show you fair. A couple of weeks ago, my kids and their neighbors decided to have a bake sale. We live in a tourist area with high foot traffic and the kids make a killing. I tell the kids I ought to charge them for the labor. I said I'd help bake and ingredients so they learn the concept of net gains. But instead I'll donate to their cause and just to bring me back the money I lent them to make change. I love seeing the kids be entrepreneurial, work so hard and get so excited at their success. After a couple of hours, the neighbor's son decides he's bored and wants to go home, so he tells my kid, when you're done, come by and deliver half the money. Mine says, hey, that's not fair. If you're leaving, we should split the money now. Mind you, the bulk of their sales was my baking. Neighbor kid gets super pissed, but mine sticks to their guns. They split the money, and the kid leaves in a huff. Mine comes in a few hours later, having lugged home all the gear and cleaned up, annoyed that the neighbor kid got annoyed at them. Then I get a knock on the door. It's the neighbor's mom with the kid who is still pouting. Mom's holding a receipt. Mom explains that they purchased a bunch of stuff for the bake sale. It cost a lot of money. And it's not fair that my kid's making money off their stuff and that they should be compensated for what they purchased. The receipt lists a bunch of items I immediately see they didn't use. Like two boxes of cereal when they used one. Napkins that I'd ended up providing, but whatever. And never mind that our son went home early and left mine to clean up. And never mind that I'd been churning out batches of cookies all morning. I'm irked that they've taken what was a fun, cheerful day of kids making money hand over fist and shown up at my door making me engage in a super awkward conversation because they assume their kid can't be wrong. So I say, of course, and fetch my receipts. I sit down and in front of them and out loud calculate the cost of lemonade and cups used. I calculate the cost of flour, sugar, chocolate chips, vanilla and butter per batch of cookies, multiplied by the number of batches made. I toss in the baking soda for free, so generous. I even subtract the value of leftover cookies. Did I mention I made a lot of cookies? The neighbor kid has to fork over $23. They got pretty quiet all of a sudden. I thank the lady for making sure things were fair 
Anne offered her a plate of cookies to take home. She declined. I would hope that most of us would agree that this kid earned what they worked for, right? Regardless of what materials they ended up showing up with or were funded from outside investors, you could say, if you quit on the work halfway through and you're not there actually working for any of that money, you're not entitled to any of it. Our next story is from Wombat929. Nope, the boss isn't here. Mini malicious compliance in the box office. When I was in high school in the mid-90s, I worked at a movie theater. When I was working the box office, it was also my job to answer the phone. Manager managed multiple branches of the theater, so he often left during the day. One day, regional manager, who was good friends with manager, called and I said, I'm not sure if manager was there. I checked and the manager was in, so I transferred the call. After a few minutes, manager transferred a regional manager back to me so he could scold me. At the time, it felt like yelling, but I was a timid teen that I should always know if the manager is in or not. As an adult, I now recognize that one, managers should have corrected this rather than having a corporate bigwig scold a teenager. Two, I should have been trained to see if he's available so I could take a message if he wasn't. But at the time, I was just really irritated to get scolded by regional manager over something I couldn't control. So from then on, whenever regional manager called, he would say, Hi OP, is manager in? He'd really hit that question highlighting that I should know. I think he only did this to me, as it seemed like his entire impression of me was as a dumb kid who didn't know if the manager was there. So with just a hint of goody two-shoes maliciousness, unless I was absolutely sure that the manager was there, I usually told regional manager that manager had stepped out and asked to take a message. It often turned out that manager was there when the regional manager called, so I could have connected them. But since I'd been told how dire it was to be uncertain, I never again expressed any doubt about whether manager was in or not. I'd like to say that the story has some kind of gratifying button, but my malicious compliance mainly resulted in regional manager being slightly inconvenienced and manager having to return calls he could have just taken. They both got fired sometime later in a midnight sweep that was rumored to be embezzlement related, but who knows if that's true? I sure don't. In retrospect, I realize now that regional manager taught me the difference between gnostic and agnostic. I was usually agnostic on the issue of my manager's presence upstairs. I just feel bad for OP because they're just a teen trying to make it by and very clearly they were undertrained and hung and left out to dry here getting berated by this regional manager and then after being berated not even like clarified on better practices for the future by the actual manager and our final story of the day is from an ego vibrator you want to review every email challenge accepted much like a vampire the national headquarters supervisor over my local office needs to micromanage to survive He craves it, feeds on it, and this is why he instructed every office that he oversees that he needs to review every email that we write for any task or project we complete. Note, our office completes between two to five such projects daily. Yep, for real. Email reviews. For an office of three that has a combined 70 years of experience in our field. So this morning I'm drafting for review on-company letterhead in Microsoft Word with track changes turned on, a series of Outlook form email templates that I use regularly, eight in total actually, 
as well as permission to use said Outlook templates that I've already used for three years. I'm also going to notify him that I followed approved naming conventions for all draft email review documents, conventions that don't currently exist, as well as the names I use in Outlook for my email templates, even though I'm the only one that sees these templates. Note, I think I'm discovering that I crave pettiness the same way he craves micromanagement. I think this is realistically a good way to deal with somebody who's overly micromanaging like this. If they want to be a micromanager like that and just look over everything, you go out of your way to create a 17-step program for them to look over. At some point, they'll realize it's not worth it and finally get off your back, hopefully. But with that said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to see another malicious compliance story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.